0: Shalom, Mishpacha, Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, Mishpacha to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. So I was interviewing one of my television guests, uh, and he came from out of town, and there was a pastor there from Houston, Texas, uh, and he had just written a new book. And so I always say, well, uh, what is different about your book? And he told me what was different, and I said, I want to read it. And as a result, you're about ready to meet Pastor Don Norden from Houston, Texas. Uh, and the thing that made this unusual, that has been so important. You know, uh, if someone's a real believer, they're going to believe in miracles. But most people aren't real believers. Have you noticed that? And they don't believe in miracles. What if we had a book of outrageous miracles that are totally medically documented and the documentation is in the book Do you realize for a believer for a real believer your faith is going to soar and for a nominal believer You may become a real believer. And for someone from another religion, I have to tell you, Muslims and Hindus uh, and and people of, and Jews, well, all these people groups are craving for a God who is in the now, not a God a million miles away. And that's what miracles shout. Uh, And so, uh, Don Norton, I love the title of your brand new book, The Audacity of Prayer. The last time I heard that that name was a book by President Barack Obama called The Audacity of Hope, uh, which, uh, you know, obviously most, most people have either heard of or read. But the word audacity, I personally looked it up. In your mind, what does the word audacity mean?
1: The word audacity in my mind means bold and confident. Uh, The Bible says that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in the time of need. And So so my definition of it is bold and confident.
0: Well, I looked it up myself, and I found a definition I love. It's a Hebrew word. Do do you know what one of the definitions in Webster's Dictionary is for audacity, and it's actually in the dictionary? Chutzpah. Which means nerve. Now we have a secret way of finding out who is Jewish. There's two ways that I know of. One way is if you can say the ch sound, chutzpah. <laughs> and the other is if you like Chinese food. Now that's both are jokes, but <laughs> but there's a little truth to those jokes. Now now Don, I also let me read the other definitions I found. Uh, remember, the book's name is The Audacity of Prayer. Fearless boldness, chutzpah, a confident and daring quality that is often seen as shocking or even rude. Don I love that definition as I read about some of the old-timers that uh, had great healing ministries. they were really um rude, I mean they'd punch people in the stomach. The only difference is they didn't go to jail. The people were healed. Uh, uh is that the type of boldness that that you're talking about?
1: That's exactly the type of boldness that I'm talking about. You know, we need to I, I feel that uh, among Christians, we need to we need to st- take a step back and look and just understand that we serve a God that is alive and he's well, he's willing uh to meet us at the point of our most critical need. And uh, and he desires, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the entire earth, seeking someone to whom he might show himself strong. And it's time for us to step uh, out of the conventional conventional and the normal expectation uh, of Christian life and uh, do that which is daring, Uh, step into uncharted territory and believe God for the miracles that we have need of.
0: You know, there's two types I find. Of real Christians, actually many more categories, but one type is one that says, God works in mysterious ways. I know He heals, but God works in mysterious ways, uh, and they won't get a whole lot. Then there's the other Christians that understand that Jesus paid the price for every sin and every sickness. And uh, that's what's the 103rd Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's forgiven all, A-L-L, of my sins and healed all, A-L-L, of my sicknesses. So um, we have these two, but the ones that believe you know, when I go to a church to speak, Don, I don't know what your experience is, and I say, raise your hand if you need to be physically healed, and something like 90% of the people raise their, hair, their hands, and about the, another 8 or 9% are just not willing to raise their hands. Uh, they, even the ones that intellectually believe, many of them, when they get sick themselves, they don't see miracles. What is your experience?
1: I think, I think you're exactly right. I I have the same, same kinds of experiences as I go to preach from church to church. But, but you know, I think uh, a lot of the responsibility for that has to rest on, and I'm a pastor, and so I think I can say this. I think a lot of the responsibility for that has to rest on the shoulders of the pastors because uh, they, there's very little preaching in most churches about divine healing. And so the faith of the people is not being challenged. And, you know, God doesn't respond necessarily to desperation. He responds to faith. And so, you know, the Lord spoke something to me here probably three years ago that totally changed my ministry and totally changed my preaching. He said to me, he said, if you can convince the people, I will do my work. And so I changed the way I prepared. I changed the way I preached. And uh, and and we've just seen we've just seen God do the the, the miraculous, the supernatural. But uh, it's about getting the people's faith lifted.
0: Now that statement is so simple, and yet so powerful, and yet so biblical that you just made. God said to him, "If you can convince the people, I will do." What I'm supposed to do. Or what were your exact words? Tell me it again. The essence, that's what if you I
1: said. Convince the people he would do his work.
0: And, and you know something? Even Jesus, when he talked about the lack of faith, the people have to be, because there's so much fighting, a manifestation of a healing. Uh, the one word coming to me is unbelief. Right. And that's where that's where the title of your book, The Audacity of Prayer, comes from, the chutzpah of prayer, the shocking or rude quality. Uh, I mean, I, I you know something? I know a rabbi that one day there was someone blind, and he takes some mud and he throws it in their face. The nerve! <laughs> the chutzpah! <laughs> Uh, Don, I want our people to get to know you just a little bit. Uh, you were uh, really called by God in the second grade. You heard an audible voice. What did you hear?
1: I was in the second grade, and um, I, was, uh, I was out riding my bicycle, and I had stopped, and I just heard a voice, an audible voice, uh, that said, I want you to preach my word. And, uh, of course, I was so young, I was frightened by that. But there was never a doubt in my mind from that day forward what, what my life work should be.
0: Now, now, when you heard that audible voice, how strong was it? Was it so strong that you turned around to see if someone else was there?
1: It was so strong uh, that I dismounted from my bicycle and looked all around to see who, who was there. And there was no one present.
0: Uh, so when did you give your first sermon? Out of curiosity.
1: I uh, I turned fourteen on August the first of nineteen seventy three, and I preached my first sermon on August the eighth of nineteen seventy three. So, so uh, you know, uh, I've been I've been doing this a long time. And
0: uh, now, do you remember what you preached at age fourteen?
1: I do actually. What was it? I preached uh, the scripture where uh, Paul said, "We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed; perplexed, yet not in despair; persecuted, but not forsaken; cast down, but not destroyed."
0: I love it. <laughs> At age fourteen, now who did you preach to? <laughs> uh,
1: my dad is a pastor, and I had told him I was called to preach, and so he let me preach on a Sunday night. And uh, I was, I was, I, I was. So nervous, I was sick almost. uh, But a funny thing that happened is the next time my dad let me preach, I decided to preach on Matthew 24 and deal with prophecy. And my dad told me to stay away from that for a while, that uh, the, the people didn't know where they were going or when. By the time I got done.
0: <laughs> but you were trying. And besides that, God told you to do it. Well, I, I believe that so many people are going to be helped with your brand new book, The Audacity of Prayer. And again, uh, the thing that I think is so amazing about this book is it has medical documentation of these miracles. And then the four CDs called Faith Lift, not Facelift faith left. What do you do in these four CDs? These
1: four CDs, I just tried to convince the people that God really works miracles. And that if, if, if we will, if we will come to him, uh, with boldness and confidence, uh, that, that he will do his work. I'm just trying to convince the people that, uh, that, that God can do this and he, and that he wants to do this.
0: Well, my guest is red hot for the Messiah. When he was in the second grade, he heard the audible voice of God calling him to teach God's people. I mean, at age 14, at age 14, I wasn't even sure there was a God. I knew I didn't know my left hand from my right hand. What a wonderful start. Uh, and then uh, when you were actually before uh, 14... When you were seven years of age, you witnessed three miracles personally?
1: Yes, I did.
0: Uh, that, that is what a privilege. I mean, God was setting you up for what you're doing today.
1: Yes, he was. I have no doubt about that. And from the time I was seven until today, I've never doubted the ability of God to perform miracles.
0: But I bet you have wrestled with... Why don't I see more? Why isn't everyone healed that I pray for? I know I wrestle with that.
1: Yes, I have wrestled with that greatly. But, uh, you know, I'm convinced that Jesus didn't take stripes on his back so we could go on being sick. That it is his will to heal every single time.
0: Tell me about those three miracles you saw at seven years of age before 7 years of age actually.
1: <laughs> well, the first the first miracle that uh, uh that I witnessed was at age 4. Uh and I write about this in chapter 2 of my book uh is uh is uh, my dad was 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 critically uh almost fatally injured in a logging accident in northern California and uh, I witnessed that miracle taking place. I can remember when I was uh they called my mother, and we were on our way to the hospital. That I knelt in the back seat of the of the car, and uh, and on my way to the hospital, I can remember uh, as if it was yesterday, praying over and over, "God, please don't let my daddy die. Please don't let my daddy die." And uh, just a few weeks after his accident, he walked out of the hospital on crutches, and the doctors did not believe. That uh, he would ever leave the hospital. In fact, they, in fact, they did, gave him no medical attention for a week uh, because they thought he was just going to die. And when he didn't die, then they started trying to help him. And uh, he's 82 years old today and still pastoring a church.
0: Well, well, it's actually a little more supernatural than what you even said because, according to the story I, I, I read, uh, an angel. Uh, did something that had that angel not shown up uh, your dad wouldn't have even been able to be uh, uh, helicoptered to a hospital
1: <laughs> that's right uh, when when my dad had cut a tree he was he was uh, in the logging business at the time he had cut a tree and had gone gone over and hit another tree and bounced back and pinned him to the ground uh, across his midsection and then The tree just for a uh, a few seconds bounced up into the air, and an angel uh, dragged my dad from beneath the tree, uh, head first. Uh, And and when the tree came back down, it rested flat against the ground. And uh, so the angel snatched him—I guess is a better word—and dragged him. It it snatched him uh, out from under that tree, and uh, so that he could be. Uh, transported to the hospital, and his life be saved.
0: So, in in effect, the 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 tree was ready to fall. Uh, a part portion of it, a second time, directly would have hit him. The second time, which it really would have finished the job, if something hadn't pulled him out of that uh, out of that path. That's what you're saying.
1: Yes, the tree came down and hit the ground and bounced, and on the when it bounced, the an angel. Snatched him from beneath the tree, and the and when it came back down, it stayed flat on the ground.
0: That had to make. I mean, was your dad a believer at the time?
1: My dad was a believer at the time.
0: Yes, but but imagine if that happened to you. I mean an angel pulls you out of the path of the, the, the tree that just hit you and and you're in terrible pain and you're dying and it and it bounces off the ground again and is ready to fall again on you directly on on your on your head uh, and and something pulls you out of the path I mean uh, your father must must have had incredible faith
1: yes my father has uh, my whole life, my father's had uh, amazing, amazing faith. I've seen miracles uh, transpire that my dad has, has prayed for, and it's just been uh, over and over again throughout my life. He has, he has, a, he has incredible faith.
0: Well, speaking of incredible faith, I have just heard someone with arthritis in the fingers, if you will bend your fingers right now, the pain is gone. In fact, the fingers are even going back to normal, the knuckle areas. Uh, And someone with a pain in their back, if you'll bend over right now, you'll see that the pain is gone. And Don, God told you before you did this broadcast about someone that was listening to us.
1: Yes, he did. Uh, I just felt like that uh, there's uh there's someone listening to us today that uh uh that you have basically been given a death sentence. And uh, God is God is saying to you today, fight for life. Uh you don't you don't have to take uh the sentence that has been passed upon you, the word that has been spoken over you. Uh I cancel that right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, the word that has been spoken, the assignment that the enemy has against you, I take authority over it, and I cancel that, and I speak life to you. Uh, I declare and decree to you that you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. So fight for life and believe for healing today.
0: Tell me about one of the stories that amaze, and every one of them are amazing. Uh, tell me about uh, the Turnbull family
1: the turnbull family uh uh attends our church in houston texas and uh they uh, they had a uh, a baby born to them andrew uh is his name and uh this was in uh, uh i believe it was in 2000 see andrew's 10 years old i believe so probably 2004 i believe that andrew was born and uh, he, he had uh, a typical uh, schematar syndrome that affects one in a million babies. Uh, his heart was on the wrong side of his chest, and he had severe complications. And uh, the doctors did not believe he would live. In fact, they had the family to sign a Do Not Resuscitate order. And uh, the church began to pray. A lot of people started praying. And, uh, Andrew not only was, had some health issues, he was born at five pounds, six ounces, six, six ounces. And, uh, it just, it just looked very bleak. And, uh, on uh, May the 20th, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, doctors had told him he would not live. And, and all of a sudden on May the 20th, he just took a turn for the better. And that uh, God completely healed Andrew. And uh, the doctors were convinced that, that if Andrew lived that he would not have a normal life. Um, but uh, they still attend our church. Andrew's uh, 10 years old. And uh, if, you, if you met Andrew, you would know he had ever had a sick day in his life. He's in sports. Uh, does not take any kind of medications. Uh, he's the picture of hell.
0: No, but wait a second. If I'm understanding you right, uh, th- there's one lung missing. The heart is in the wrong place. It's in the place where the missing lung was. Uh, d- did he have any surgery to correct this?
1: No surgery.
0: How could that be?
1: It, it, well, because of God. That's the only explanation that, that, that could be.
0: All right. What about the audacious prayer? tell me about well, there,
1: that there were a lot of people praying but uh, I remember when uh, when uh, Andrew was at his worst uh, we gathered I was there uh, I think there was another pastoral staff member there a lot of the family was there and we gathered in a prayer circle in the hallway and uh, we prayed for Andrew uh and we didn't just we just didn't just give it lip service uh we became earnest in our prayers and uh, this is a matter of life and death for this family. And uh, when we were finished praying, I just knew that Andrew was going to be fine. I mean, it was just uh, God didn't say anything to me. But in my spirit, I just knew that I knew that I knew that Andrew was going to be fine. And uh, within within hours, his condition completely reversed itself. And uh, he was home within within a couple of days of that prayer.
0: And if I understand you right, two days before that, he was given up for dead.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The doctors, two days before that, the doctors were were convincing the family, the son, do not resuscitate orders. And they were preparing uh, for his death. The doctors were preparing for his death but God was preparing for his life.
0: You know, I love your brand new book, The Audacity of Prayer. The thing that makes this so unique is this is normal, everyday people that have entered into the audacity of belief, the boldness, the fearless faith. Uh, But you know something? For you to be convinced of this you have to hear teaching from the Word of God, and that's what Don Norden has done. He's put together a four c d series of messages and examples from the book of the people that were healed and how they how how they prayed and When you get listen to these four CDs and then read the book, The Audacity of Prayer, and then I want you to give this to as many of your friends as possible, people struggling with believing. I believe, believe, Don, as you do, that once they are convinced, they will have fearless boldness. We're making the four CDs and the book available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line. 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. one 447 2697 I mean, just out of the blue, uh, as Don refers to it, it's uh, what happens when an unexpected cross occurs. I mean, the couple is happy. They're they're having their new baby, and then a one-in-a-million chance occurs. One of the uh, lungs is missing, and the heart ends up in that position rather than the normal position. Uh, they give him days, and the baby will die. The family goes into. The audacity of prayer. That's the name of the uh, book that we're making available. And when they prayed, and this was your church family, Don, correct? That's right. A- and when they prayed, you just had a knowing that this baby was healed and just on his own. Suddenly, <laughs> they could take him home. Totally healed. No surgery. What the doctors say?
1: When... when uh... In for, within forty-eight hours, this baby went from uh, went from the death watch uh, to being home. Uh, no surgery, um, uh, medical medical science didn't didn't make him well. Uh, God turned his situation around.
0: You know, people are listening to us today, and if you're human, something unexpected happens to a loved one or to you. Uh, it's called life. What should someone do when they have this unexpected cross, Don?
1: I believe that um, that when you have an unexpected cross in your life, and an unexpected cross could be uh, almost anything, a financial reversal, uh, bad news from a doctor, uh, the breakup of a marriage, uh, you know, all, all, any, almost anything. It could be almost anything. But when we, when we face an unexpected cross, and all of us have been there, I believe that it's at that moment that we discover what we really believe and who, and who we're really trusting in. And I think that when we face these unexpected crosses, that our first thing that we should do is, is run to Father God. And, uh, and 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 uh, take our case to him, and, and do it in a way that we have confidence that he hears us when we
0: pray. I, I want you to give me an example. Give me uh, a, uh, a a real life example of either in your family or one of your church families, and how you did or would pray. And I want you to actually pray.
1: Okay, I. Um, uh, Just a personal example of an unexpected cross. For years, I struggled with a heart issue. Uh, I had atrial fibrillation, and uh, I was on a on a 30-day fast, drinking only water, and was in a hotel room. Uh, I I was speaking at a church, and got up to take a shower uh, one morning. And uh, you know, in a weakened condition as far as physically, because I it was the 11th day of the fast and uh when i was, while I was taking my shower my my heart went out of rhythm so badly that that I fell in the shower. I was the only one my wife wasn't with me and uh, when I fell in the shower uh, I experienced a a demon uh that came in that that bathroom, and uh that demon told me. That I'm going to kill you today, and nobody's even going to know that you're dead until church time.
0: Now, did you did you do you think that demon that communicated with you at that moment? What was the one that caused the AFib? Uh, I, 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 you
1: know, I think I think it could have been. Uh, uh, I know that physically I was in a weakened condition because I had been eating and only drinking water, and so and so my body was already struggling uh if you you know if you fast fasted at length at lengthy times, you know that there there are periods during that fast where your body just almost is screaming at you uh, and it was that that uh it was that one of those moments
0: but uh, that you know that- so when you heard that obviously the demon was smart enough to say it to you as if it was your own thoughts or what did you realize it was an external voice?
1: No, I knew I knew it wasn't my own thoughts I knew it was an external voice and I have to admit to you even though i I'd been preaching and pastoring and and uh being a guest speaker for years and years and years and really believed in the supernatural and the miraculous uh the first emotion that I felt was fear uh because I had a wife and two young children at the time and uh and of course I you know I, you know, I want to stay with my family and raise my family. And the first thing was fear. And then uh, I couldn't even get up. I, I'd fallen and I couldn't even get up. I was too weak. And um, I finally, it, it just, I guess my faith just kicked in. And I, and I, and so I just said out loud, um, I said, Devil, um, if you think you can kill me, then go ahead. But I don't believe that you have that authority in my life. I believe that my expiration date is uh, is up to a, high, a higher power, and uh, but I but I'll tell you this: if you let me live till church time, I am going to preach tonight. Uh, and uh, immediately, um, I, I gained enough strength to be able to get up and and get dressed and lay down on the bed. But I was in a weakened condition all day long, and that night I spoke just hanging on to the pulpit. Uh, to stand up, and I went back to my hotel room and called my wife, and she prayed with me. And when I woke up the next morning, I was—I I woke up with my heart in rhythm. I was strong. I felt like I had uh, sat down to a banquet table, uh, just as I had supernatural strength. But an unexpected cross, when it when it hits you. Uh, Tries to take your legs out from under you, uh, but but that's when your faith has to kick into action.
0: You know, as you're sharing that, you did what you teach in your book. I mean, it would have been so easy for you to check yourself into a hospital rather than preaching that night.
1: That's that's exactly right. And uh, immediately, I thought uh, I should call nine one one but i recognized that that what i was dealing with was a spiritual thing even more than a physical thing and honestly behind every unexpected cross there's there's a spiritual battle that's going on we may see it as a financial reversal as a as a negative report uh, from a doctor or the counselor or whoever the banker but there's a spiritual thing behind it and 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 for every unexpected cross, there's a demonic intention of trying to keep us from being people of faith.
0: Okay. What what about someone like W.A. Berg? He gets leukemia. A member of his family had had that same type of leukemia and died. He gets the same fa- symptoms uh, and now... Uh, what does he do? Is it diagnosed when he, when he recognizes he has all the symptoms of this unusual form of leukemia?
1: Yes. When he, when he, uh, you know, he experienced those, uh, uh, those same symptoms. And when he went to the hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, they came back with the same diagnosis, um uh, uh, as, as one of his family members had, had passed away with. And, uh, but i i, I knew wa berg for many years he's he's an older minister and of course he was much younger when that happened but i i've only met two people in my life that i thought had as much faith as uh, wa berg and uh one of them is my father uh and he was a man of great faith and i believe uh that pastor berg decided in that hospital room that uh, my my life is not over. I haven't accomplished what God wanted me to accomplish. He was in the process of planting a church in Mark Tree, Arkansas. And he knew he had an assignment from the Lord. And he decided he wasn't going to let the devil kill him.
0: Tell me about the prayer that went on for him.
1: Oh, there was, there was uh, amazing prayer that went up for him. Churches uh, in several surrounding states uh, were having special prayer meetings uh, for his healing. And some somebody prayed the prayer of faith because God completely healed him of that leukemia without any chemotherapy, without any of that. He walked out of that hospital and was and and preached for fifty more years. Uh, he just recently passed away, but he preached for fifty more years and was never afflicted with that disease ever again. And
0: he held on to a scripture when he was fighting for his life: Psalm ninety-one what what what, did, what verse did he hold on to
1: psalm 91 uh, it was where he stood um uh, on on the scripture and uh, and i mean he he cl- he clung to that uh, scripture uh for for his healing and, and god and god uh, god honored his word and and god will always honor his word
0: Uh, Don, I I understand that you you work very strong in words of knowledge and uh, words of wisdom, uh, but you actually operate in all nine gifts of the Spirit. And before you went on the air this day, God spoke to you about a subject you mentioned in your brand-new book uh, about do you want your stuff back? What, What did God want you to tell people?
1: What God wanted me to say. Uh, to the listeners, is that, that you can have your stuff back, uh, the stuff that uh, the devil has stolen from you, the stuff that you have willingly given up yourself, that God wants you to have that back. And uh, and, and I believe that, uh, that uh, he wants you to have it back sooner rather than later.
0: Give me an example of someone that, uh, uh, well, in the, give me an example in the Bible and an example in real life.
1: Well, an example in real life is uh, a young man in our church, Clint Mayfield, uh, at the time who was 26 years old, married, uh, settled into a wonderful life and job with a with his family. Uh, he was uh, worked for an aviation company in in Pasadena, Texas. Uh, he was involved in our church, played on the in the band, and and. Uh, he but he was a motorcycle enthusiast he he loved motorcycles and he was out riding with some friends and uh, he had ridden for uh half the day and and in texas uh summertime heat can be pretty intense and so after lunch, he had stopped and uh taken off um uh, uh, some of the equipment that he rode with uh which was uh, uh, on uh, you know, a metal-plated riding jacket that he had on. He took that off and some other things and, and put them in, his, in a, a backpack that he had on. And so uh, when he put that in there, took off down the road, got up to highway speed or probably faster, uh, somehow one of the straps from the backpack had uh, gotten down into the spokes on the motorcycle and uh, got into the, into the wheel and locked the wheel uh, back wheel of the motorcycle. The motorcycle skidded for about a football uh field length of a football field. The tire blew out and uh sent Clint over the handlebars and into the air. He hit the concrete uh uh highway really hard uh right on his right on his back and uh then then uh, just slid down the road on his back. And uh I received a call from his family saying he'd been in a motorcycle accident. I didn't know how uh, how much how bad his injuries were, but immediately my wife and I uh, got in our vehicle and started uh, our journey to the uh, trauma unit that he was in. He'd been airlifted. I knew that. and on my way to the hospital, uh, Susan and I were praying, interceding for Clint and his family. And the Lord spoke to me and said, "When when you get to that hospital, I want you to tell Clint, Clint and his family that uh, that uh, they are that they are to pursue, for they shall recover all. Uh, uh, and uh, that's what I that's what I had in my heart is telling them that to, that they are going. That Clint is going to recover all. And so I'm pretty excited about this word. Until I walk into the ICU unit. And saw Clint's condition, and of course, you know, just like with anybody else, the the enemy. The first thing the enemy does is says, "You know, look at this kid's condition. You're going to tell his family he's going to recover." Oh, you're really going out on a limb here.
0: Now, what what was wrong with him at the time?
1: He was um, uh, he had spinal injuries. Uh, he was had road rash from from his head to his toes. Uh, he had all kinds of internal injuries.
0: Um, was he conscious?
1: No, he was comatose. Hmm. Uh, and the and the doctors that came in described his condition as hopeless. That was the word they used. It's hopeless. Uh, in fact, uh, a couple in our church, their son is a doctor at that at that trauma hospital, and they had called their son and asked him what Clint's condition really was, and he he told them there was no chance of his survival. Uh, absolutely no chance, and uh, so, so you know, I had the word to tell him, "You shall recover all."
0: Yeah, but if he's comatose, how are you going to tell him that?
1: <laughs> I, I have to admit to you that I struggled with it for several minutes, uh, but I but I knew what I'd heard, and so finally I thought, you know, I'm going to put I'm going to put myself and God on the line here. And uh, I just told them before we prayed, I said, you know, I related to them the story of of David, uh, King David, uh, before he was king with his men in Ziklag, that uh, he had left town with his men. And while he was gone, some Egyptians came in and burned the city and stole all of their stuff, including their wives and children. And when David found, came home and found the city in flames, and his wives and children gone, and all of his stuff gone, he he prayed and asked the Lord, shall I pursue them or not? And the Lord spoke to him and said, pursue, for you shall doubtless recover all. And that was the scripture the Lord spoke to me on the way to the hospital. And so I related that story before we prayed, and I just said, I know what it looks like. I, I get that. I understand that. But I'm telling you that God said that Clint is going to recover all.
0: And what happened?
1: The, well, the, doctors, the doctor said even if he were to uh, live, that he would probably never, ever be out of a bed, that he would be bedridden the rest of his life. But uh, within probably a week, Clint started really making some progress uh, for about a week. I think it was about a week uh, there just was.
0: A, uh, did the doctors actually use the word that his progress was miraculous?
1: The doctors actually actually used the word that, the words that it was miraculous. You
0: know, most doctors, even if it is, won't say that.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, you would have just had to been there and seen Clint's condition initially. <laughs> I mean, I mean, one look at him, and uh, the natural mind just says. Oh, this is over right here. This is this is this is not going to be good. But uh you know, within a week he started making progress and uh, over a period of probably uh uh 3 or 4 months, uh, he he steadily made progress. It was difficult, but he made the progress and you know, he was in the aviation business. He he's the guy that that plans flights for private jets. And, uh, and so, you know, for, and and today he's back at his job, uh, planning flights for private jets. And when you've had that kind of a head injury, uh, you know, the chances of ever being, uh, what you were before are slim to none, as far as the world is concerned, but he's back at his job doing well. Uh, in fact, I have to tell you that I like the the client that we have now better than the one we had before why is that because because his his personality i think is better uh certainly his heart for god has greatly improved and he's just a delightful young man
0: now, you know you told me god wants the people listening to us to recognize how important it is to be grateful yes explain
1: I just think that uh,
0: and, and by the way, when you're talking about Clint, I think that the thing that made the difference is Clint is one grateful man
1: oh you you couldn't ask for a more grateful man than Clint is or or his wife or his parents they they recognize that Clint's life uh, is has always been a gift from God but is certainly now even more a gift from God, and they're they're grateful and I just think I just think that gratitude is golden to God. And I think the scriptural proof of that is that, you know, the the 10 lepers that were cleansed, all 10 were cleansed, but one came back and gave thanks. And the Bible specifically says that that leper was made whole. And so so gratitude is so, so important.
0: But do you know, even gratitude... Before you have something to be grateful for, isn't that faith, really faith, to have an attitude of gratitude when things seem to be going bad? Exactly. It's,
1: you know, that's an act of faith. To be able to be grateful when things are not good is an act of faith itself. And that's what God responds to faith.
0: You know, I have to tell you this story, Don. Wherever I go, people say they're trained because they're in retail business. Uh, How are you doing? And I know it's cosmetic, and I know they don't care how I'm really doing. Uh, They just want to make their sale. Uh, And I say, I am extremely blessed. I'm extraordinarily blessed. And uh, many times I'll say it exactly the way I just did. And you know what? Sometimes I'm going through an awful day. And I grip my teeth and I say it anyway. And guess what? It's like a magnet. I walk in such favor, and I believe it's because I walk in an attitude of gratitude.
1: I agree with that. And and, and you know, the, th- the thing is that that uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And and I think we curse ourselves many times before we have the opportunity to be blessed.
0: Uh, Don. These miracles that uh, you have medically documented in your brand-new book, I am so excited about them. And one of the miracles is a man I personally know, his, actually his doctor is uh, Dr. Uh, Remedios. Uh, and tell me about that miracle. That
1: miracle uh, was uh, 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 D. Sapp. Uh, she is married to... Uh... Uh, a pastor by the name of Gary Sapp, and uh, she had uh, uh, been diagnosed with colon cancer, and, and uh, was, it was an emergency situation, rushed to the hospital, and, and uh, Dr. Remedios uh, was the uh, surgeon that saw her, and they did emergency surgery right away, and uh, she had a, a tumor uh, in, her, in her colon, and they had to take out a large uh, portion of her intestine and uh when Dr. Remedios was doing the surgery uh by his own by his own words uh the holy spirit began to show him what uh, what he was to do and so uh he str- actually stretched this is a procedure that had never been done before and he just did this at the at the bidding of the holy spirit he he stretched that he stretched the colon and uh, sewed it into place and uh, he felt like the holy spirit told him if
0: he would do that that the colon would work and she wouldn't have to have a colostomy and of course now you have to recognize how bold this was by the doctor this was a procedure that had never been done before. Therefore, he couldn't possibly know whether it worked out or not. But he heard from God, and he took the step of boldness. And as a result, what happened, Don?
1: Well, the procedure that he performed on her—if it—if it—if it didn't work, Dee would lose her life.
0: Now that's bold.
1: <laughs> and he would lose his license. Hmm. And. Uh, he, he stretched that colon sold it sewed it into place and uh, within a few days uh, the colon was working perfectly and uh, that's been that's been a number of years ago and and she still and she's still, uh, and she's still uh, uh, functioning properly uh, she and her husband travel all over all over the world preaching in fact it's been 18 years ago
0: now now you told me he cut three feet of the colon out. But then he did something that just sounds so amazing. He stretched the remaining three feet, is that what you said? That's right. He
1: cut three feet out, and then he took the remaining part of the colon and stretched it.
0: Now, what what would you do? What would I do if we were doctors? God says for us to do something, and it could cost the patient their life because it had never been done before. Now, that's my kind of surgeon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yes, if I'm if I'm going to have surgery, I, that's the kind of doctor I want working on me.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm looking at this documentation you have. Tell me about the twins.
1: The twins uh, belong to uh, Isaiah and Evangelina Garza, and they're from our church. Uh, and uh,
0: for- you, you must have a lot of miracles in your church, do you?
1: We have a lot of miracles in our church. Yes, we do. Uh, I, in fact, I preached a. Uh, a sermon recently uh, that I entitled "That I entitled uh, His uh, Tale of His Marvelous Deeds," and I talked about all the miracles in the Old Testament, all the miracles in the New Testament, all the miracles that Jesus did. I just kind of hit the high points of it, and then what the Holy Spirit told me was had all the miracles in the Book of Acts. And then I had everybody stand in our church that had that had um, had a recent miracle that they could describe in one sentence or so. And uh, there was over—we couldn't even get to all them. There was over 100 people that stood, and we couldn't even get to all of them. And it dawned on me as they were giving their testimonies that there were more miracles in that house today than there was in the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, there's no ending to the book of Acts because it's still being written.
0: So tell me about the twins.
1: The twins, uh, uh, at 14 weeks of pregnancy, uh, they, they were diagnosed with twin-to-twin transfusion uh where where the, the the twins are transferring blood uh, uh, between them which is which cannot cannot happen and if that happens at least one probably both of the twins will perish uh so um it's a very serious it's a very serious thing and um uh, uh the doctors basically uh, at first, told uh, Evangelina that that she would have to abort one of the twins, if not both of them, and she refused to abort the make a decision on you know aborting one of them. And uh, eventually, the the condition got serious enough that the doctors basically told her either either have an abortion uh, on both of these children, or we can no longer see you because you're too much of a risk. And at that point, Isaiah, uh, Evangeline's husband, uh, took her by the hand and looked at the doctor and said, Doctor, if God wants to kill our twins, then he can do it, but you're not. And uh, they walked out of the office, and uh, that Sunday night, we were having a miracle healing service at our church, and they came up for prayer. And uh, one of our uh, ladies, uh, one of the lay members of our church, a a lady named Kim, laid hands on them and prayed for them. And honestly, I don't think I ever made it to them that night. There were so many people uh, that had come for the Miracle Healing Service for prayer. And Kim prayed for them, and she told them at the end of the prayer, she said, I want you to go back to your seat, and I want you to write this date down, because tonight... This situation has been reversed and so and so they went and wrote you know and wrote the date down and uh, and uh, they went back to the doctor and when they went back to the doctor, they were doing the ultrasound, and they said that uh, that the doctor started that ultra ultrasound and he said. Un- It's
0: almost unbelievable to me that a doctor would say unbelievable.
1: <laughs> well, he—he's you know, the doctor that said, I have an abortion, or I, I, I won't be seeing you anymore." And when he did this ultrasound, he recognized that these twins uh, had had were were on the rebound and greatly improved. And then he was still, but he was still doubtful that when they were born, that they really could.
0: I actually have a quote by the doctor and this is what he said. There is no sign pointing to how this sickness began, but there is evidence how it ended. In other words, the ultrasound showed him that everything was normal.
1: Right. Well, he he uh, when the babies were born on uh, on February the 2nd of 2004, um Isaiah had a had a had a video camera in the delivery room. And whenever the babies were born, they took them, uh, you know, they they were born. And then the doctor said, bring that camera over here. And he laid the placenta out on a table and started injecting it with milk. And uh, he said, he said, this is amazing. He said, we don't know how this started, but there's no doubt about how it ended. And he said, it looks like that uh, a skilled surgeon had gone in transfusion was happening. And I say that a skilled surgeon did. His name is Jesus.
0: Hmm. Tell me about another one. Very briefly, though, tell me about Mr. Funderburg.
1: John Funderburg is a pastor in Murfreesboro, Arkansas. He uh, he was diagnosed with a usually fatal heart condition. Uh, it came on him just like within 24 hours and he was rushed to the hospital. Uh, by the time they figured out what uh, what was going on with him, uh, he was he was transported to a, a Little Rock hospital, and uh, he was put on the list for a heart transplant. But his condition kept getting worse until the point that he he could not have sustained a heart transplant. And and he was in the hospital, and and he had he was retaining so much fluid that that the fluid was going to kill him. And the doctor left on a Friday, you know, knowing that he couldn't sustain a heart transplant. And when the doctor came back on Monday, the Lord had healed John. And from Friday to Monday, John lost 48 pounds of excess fluid. And the doctor could not believe it when he came into the, into the uh, room, John's room. And they started running tests. And within a couple of days, John was at home. And uh, John, before, had been on high uh, blood pressure medication. And today, he don't even take high high blood pressure medication. The doctor said that uh, in all of his years of practice, he had never seen a miracle. But there was
0: no doubt that John... Is a miracle. And, and by the way, I have the doctor's reports here right in front of me. And I, you know, this this book of Don Norden's—it's uh, just normal people like you and like me—that have stepped into the audacity, the chutzpah, the fearless boldness of faith. And then the four CDs in which Don teaches about each of these miracles and how they prayed and his purpose is to motivate you to take what the devil has stolen. We're offering the four teaching CDs, and the book, The Audacity of Prayer, is available for a gift of $40. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free. Our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV Network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.